Welcome back to the Life After Bliss podcast. I'm Thomas. My name is John. And we are back at it again. We are here. We're actually filming. Uh, I would say filming. I should say recording. I like to think I'm always being filmed. Well, it kind of feels that way. We're, we're in well, the lab. You, you're at my house, so you're definitely being filmed. It, I've got cameras <laughs> all around this place. You know, that really should help out with your dating, right? Should that help out? I mean, don't worry. I disclose it ahead of time. <laughs> I'm a gentleman. I like that about you. Well, uh, we have a special guest today. We're going to get into him in a little bit. But uh, Thomas, what's new with you? Anything new with you? I'll tell you, the biggest thing is our podcast actually is out there in the world now. It's in the world. And it just launched about a week ago. Um, and uh, have you heard any feedback at all? I mean, not a lot from people I know, but I'm on the street sometimes and people are like, whoa. I mean, they, they don't recognize my face naturally, but I start talking and they're like, hey. They start listening. Absolutely. <laughs> like that voice. I know that. So uh, I have gotten a little bit of feedback, uh, mostly from uh, my ex and uh, and the, the all that. that she loved it, I'm sure. She did. She wants to be a guest on one of the next podcasts. She's really excited about it. Yeah, she had a shirt made for us, right? I think the word uh, that, I, that comes to mind, well, actually, the word she used in her email to me was cease and desist. And so, uh, so, so after I got the letter, I responded appropriately, of course, because I'm an appropriate guy. But um, I also uh, edited a podcast right after I got this uh, email from her, and I was very, very careful with the editing process of this last podcast. I can imagine, and I'll tell you, that did make me conscious of what I say, because in all seriousness, we do want to be respectful. We obviously have both come from a place uh, where we do have ex-wives. And, you know, we'll try to be honorable uh, to that. But at the same time, it's our story and we got to tell it. I'm also a little scared because her boyfriend's like a lawyer. And so when you use words like cease and desist, I mean, that, that has a little bit more clout to it, right? I mean, that's, that's a thing. Yeah, he's also got a crowbar. So, I mean, you got to like <laughs> pick, your, pick your battles here. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's been fun. That's been a lot of fun having this thing out there in the world. Um, our, our guest today is an old friend of mine. His name is Josh McAllister. Hey. <laughs> and uh, Josh has been a friend since uh, he moved from Louisiana to uh, the uh, mid- Midwest area. And we've been friends in high school and beyond. And uh, it, we've, we've done a lot of things together. We uh, used to do sleepovers and play games and all the fun stuff that kids in youth group do. And then, uh, you know, he went to college and transitioned uh, into a whole different life there. And then he went into... Well, the- when, when you say you transitioned into a whole different life, <laughs> you were Josh to begin with, right? Not Joanne? Yes, I, I've actually always been male. Okay. <laughs> I use that word far too often. I just was like, did you bury the lead on my notes of our guest? I don't know. <laughs> you know, actually, I, my wife at one point, my ex, sorry, told me not to use the word moist anymore. She's like, you cannot use that word. And is that like transition? Should I avoid that word as well? Only when you're talking about somebody transitioning. Uh-huh. I would not use the word like they are transitioning. It's not a thing anything or well, anymore. It is a thing. Well, it's I just it's a not different a, thing. It's a different thing. Okay. Yeah. I got it. I, but, got it. <laughs> I have to watch my words so much these days. It's so crazy. Okay. Anyways, Josh, I went to college. And uh, man, what did you do after college, actually? I don't even know. What did you do? A couple dumb jobs. And then fairly quickly, I got into vocational ministry. So Josh went into ministry and uh, did ministry. I know you did it down in Atlanta area for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so you're an ordained minister. Yes. For a long time or, or just for a short time? Uh, as far as how long I've been ordained? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was ordained in 2008 okay. and have remained uh, ordained since. Is there something that happens? This is 
layman's conversation. If you become unordained, is that a thing? I don't I don't think it would be. My my understanding of ordination is it's the church recognizing a call of God upon your life. So I I would think they might be able to pull back ordination, but I've got it on a piece of paper. They can't come to my house. So <laughs> I like it. Well, they might be able to. Hold but. on to that. I think well, it's kind of very powerful. It's kind of like knighting, right? Like you can't be unknighted, can you? Yeah, I think so. I, I, you know, unless you do something really really bad, I bet you could lose that status. I mean, I think I think they could pull that out if they really really wanted to. Like if you did something really horrible, I think they they could say, "Oh, he's no longer an order." Yeah, but like, could Sir Elton John become not Sir Elton John? Elton John can do whatever the okay. heck he wants. That's for okay. sure. Um, and he's coming to St. Louis, by the way. They just announced it today. Did you see that? I'm so excited. <laughs> to answer your question, no, I did not see it. And any, anyways, uh, yeah, I asked the girl at the concert already. Go figure. Okay. So, anyways, uh, back to the story. So Josh uh, got ordained, and then he uh, worked in vocational ministry. Worked in ministry. Um, at a, a large church here in the area. And uh, then um, uh, he didn't work at the church for a while. So there was a transition time there. There's the word transition again. And I, I don't even know what happened with that. I know that there was some uh, some parts that just didn't work with you in the ministry or the ministry just didn't fit well with, with what you were doing. I, I don't even know. We'll get into that. And uh, and now he works in corporate America and serves at a church. Is was, was that safe to say? Yeah, okay. all of that is true. Uh, I'm a deacon at my current church, and I'm in the elder candidate process. That's serious. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. I, we, that's that's what we do at our church, too. I like that elder thing. And I always thought that was like more of an adult thing, but now there's people that are younger than me that are elders in the church. Okay, so so back into your story. You went through a change, uh, an obstacle, <laughs> instead of transition, <laughs> in, in your church life. And so what... What happened? What was that like? So I was told that basically my job was being dissolved. and But you were like a youth minister at the time, right? No, I, I, was, uh, I was doing spiritual formation, discipleship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Not important at all in the church, by the way. Well, I, I, was, I was working through how do we overhaul our discipleship process. And really, I was kind of managing the project. Uh, of of how that was going to happen. Uh, and they transitioned the role uh, to something different that really didn't fit my skill set. So uh, I began to look for different employment. Okay. Was that tricky to go through that? I mean, you've been in church ministry for almost all your life. Now you're like kind of not anymore and you, were you, I don't know were you pushed out or were you were you like was it uncomfortable I mean yeah it was definitely uncomfortable so I have a history degree which is really general and not useful for anything uh, other than saying I have a four-year degree uh, but my history degree uh, had not really hindered me in ministry but I found it it really hindered me in corporate world so I had to try to translate all the ministerial work I had done into and translate that into the corporate world, which so, was actually difficult. So, for example, like you could say, I've been out there making disciples of men, and how would that translate in the corporate well, world? It's kind of like people management, though, in a lot of ways, right? I mean, like you are a leader of people. Um, you're organizing. It's some project management. There's an element of that to it. I mean, I could see it as a corporate guy. I can totally see the transition as both a church and a corporate guy. But yeah. you got to make that case. Yeah, I managed and motivated teams of volunteers. That was discipling? Uh, that was, uh, I manage our our first impressions ministry. Uh-huh. So our greeters, 
uh, shuttles, those kind of things. I got gotcha. you. Uh, so I, I, you know, motivated and trained volunteers. So you kind of had to BS a little bit. Your yeah, way through you, the you process. have to you have to try to translate it for them because they're going to be like, this doesn't make sense. Uh, I managed the project of us refining our discipleship ministry. We had an internal communications platform uh, that I uh, was in charge of the rollout for and the implementation. Did you get to work in your special connection with God when you were getting your new job? or how, how No, I, I, I tried to downplay that as much as possible. <laughs> I have a special connection to the Almighty. so I have a paper that says I was called. Don't you want a called man working for you? It's on top of my resume. <laughs> well, you just submit the paper with it, I would assume. Yes. Yeah. So in this transition where you're going into corporate America, you really got two things going on. Because you got your corporate life, which is really sort of changing. And there's a huge upheaval there. But also, I'm interested in your spiritual walk at this point. Obviously, you felt called. You're in a role. You're doing what you feel like you should be doing. And then all of a sudden, you're sort of transitioned out of that position. And now you're being pushed to to figure something else out spiritually, too. How did that go for you in terms of your faith and how that impacted your spiritual walk during that transition? Sure. So beyond just looking for you know new employment, trying to provide for my family, there there were two other things that that I was trying to do. The first, very tangible, uh, it wasn't like I was just looking for a new job. I was looking for uh, a new place for for my family. My entire family was impacted because we all went to my place of employment multiple times a week. Uh, so it was trying to protect and guide my family through that transition uh, and, and make sure that they uh, they were protected spiritually, emotionally, mentally, uh, physically, and, and to make sure that they were, would come out of that process whole. Uh, but then for me, uh, spiritually, it was trying to figure out, trying to separate it from that this is not necessarily God, uh, not that it was you know sinful for for me to to be transitioned, uh, but that it was certainly something that I could I could see God working in, and something that I had to pursue God in. So for me, it came down to how do I continue to pursue God in in the face of you know being being hurt and being told or at least feeling like I wasn't good enough and, and being told that I wasn't good enough yeah i think the christian faith uh it's like self-injures itself quite a bit with with the people and and whatnot and i've i've heard stories like this so many times i think it's just almost to like to be a believer to be a christian in the faith is to have a story similar to like feeling frustrated, hurt, pushed out, set aside, whatever. Um, I, I think that's so common. I, I, we beat up our own, I guess is a better way to say it. So this introduces the topic uh, this week, and we're, we're actually talking about keeping the faith. And uh, in the context of a lot of things, like in context of Josh's story, how he was able to hold on to the faith, we haven't gone into that really. Um, but in the context of, of our broken marriages and, and talking about how to um, how we navigated those obstacles, those journeys that we went through, and, and and basically how we came out the other side and what it looks like now. So let's just dive right into it. Um, I'll let you tell some stories, Thomas. you got some stories. I, mean, I, I do. So so my story is that I, I came up through the church, so I have always been sort of deep in. You know, I've uh, 
third generation Christian. My parents were like front of the front of the pew type people. Wait, nobody sits in front of the pew. It was it wasn't a Baptist church, they, was it? They would sit like maybe second row. Okay, but nobody you know, goes in the front. That's I call second row front row because everybody <laughs> knows that front row is just there to be looked at. Only those who show up really, really late to a packed service sit in the front row. Shame. Absolutely. That, I think that you should fill every other seat because that way they have to walk by everybody <laughs> to get to their seats if they show up late. But those were my parents, and that's like the, the bubble that I grew up in. And so and my ex was actually totally into that. She was, she was more on fire. She was more into it, to use like terms from when I was coming up through it, than I was. But one of the big things that sort of preceded our marital conflict was she really started changing the way that she thought about Christianity and about how she approached God. So, okay, you guys met young, and you guys are dating in the in the in the church, in the church, in, in yeah. the youth group. We met in the youth group. So, so like you did like free dates through the church, basically for youth group night. I mean, that's kind of what you, Josh, did. You you were well, sort of. She was a little bit younger than you, but yeah, yeah you through guys, college, yeah, yeah, through college, you guys were dating sort of through the youth ministry program. But um, so you guys were together. We were, yeah. We and, came up through the youth group, then we served together. And in she the church. like was encouraging you. She was on, you know, on fire, if you will. I mean, I'm not sure if we yeah. use those words anymore. Yeah, but. I mean, we. I don't think you hear that, but I mean, she was sold out for Christ, right? <laughs> she was <laughs> loving Jesus. That's exactly it. I mean, she really was. And so, was there an inciting incident that you would you would point back to and be like, it started because of this, or was it just thought? Yeah, I mean, some some of that is. When you say it started, you mean her move yes. away? Some of that is her story to tell, um, but a lot of that had to do with the way she had been hurt by not just the church, but people in the church. Hmm. And, you know, Christianity can be weaponized and, and used, and especially as we're young and we come up, if, if we don't get the right instruction and we take that in a way that we shouldn't when we're little, I mean, it can become harmful. And then not only do you have sort of that harm from the person, but if you're young and you internalize some of that, it can create a whole lot of mess inside of you internally. And so for her, I actually think it was like a really good work. I'm going to use a buzzword, but like deconstruction, she needed to. Like she really did. She had a lot of things that weren't good Christian theology or beliefs tied up in her faith. And so she needed to deconstruct. So when she started deconstructing, um, how did you? How how did that impact you? Or how did you start responding to that? What well, what did you do? Biggest failing of my marital experience on my part, absolutely, was the way I handled it because it scared me straight. I mean, it, it scared me because here we are, sort of going along and we're aligned, and now she starts questioning everything, and I got freaked out, and I tried to like control the situation. It was bad. It was not a good idea, and so she felt resistance from me. Which, again, then she's felt that from the church. And so then I become a part of that story of trying to, yeah, like, like push this, this so, yeah, bad form. So, yeah, kind of the, we talked about like the us versus them mentality, and then you got shoved into the them box, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a big part of it was my response was not gracious. It was not compassionate. It was a fear-based response. Um, it was not mean or, you know, overly controlling, but it was fear-based. And and I absolutely lost a big part of her in that that sort of fallout. Were you afraid of her navigating away from her faith, or were you afraid of what other people would think of you? I think those are good questions. I would tell you it was not super rational. Looking back, what I feel is it was very messy. 
And there were things about it that were very healthy, but there were also very unhealthy things. Like anything, deconstruction is messy. You're taking things apart and, and you're going to have some collateral damage. I was terrified of that collateral damage, just relationships that, that we had that were, were getting strained because of this sort of fallout. And so I did not prioritize my ex-wife's feelings, you know, at that time, like I should have. Um, but, but it was that. It was worried about sort of the fallout of, of how it would affect our lives. And also because part of it I did feel, like I said, is collateral damage. I wanted her to deconstruct, but I wanted her to do it like in a tiny box with no margin for error, which is an unreasonable idea. Um, but that, that's sort of what I put on her inadvertently. You know, I had something very similar happen in my marriage as well. Like, <clears throat> I, I guess about uh, five, six years ago, uh, when my wife was pregnant, uh, she came to me and said, I, I don't really want to go to church anymore. I just don't find any value there anymore. And and I, I really, really struggled with that. I mean, just like the idea, because I'm one of those people that like, the man and wife stay together. So if she's not going to go to church, you know, I should honor that and not go to church with her. And so at first, I was there's like a lot of pullback for me. I was like, I, I felt so guilty, but I, I I was sleeping in on Sunday mornings, and then then I, I changed the uh, the time, and I I, uh, I decided to spend time you know working on my yard or getting to know my neighbors, and and actually I came to really kind of value Sunday mornings, not going to church, and it was kind of weird, like it took like a six to eight month trial time, um, and then my daughter was born, and I was like, oh, man, I kind of want to raise my daughter in the church, and so um, I reluctantly i asked uh, i asked a friend i said what would a good church be for a person that married a lutheran so my wife's a lutheran and i'm a baptist and and so then we got pointed to a different church and and it actually was a pretty good fit for our our family and so we stayed there for a number of years um until she left and so yeah and i, I will say this like i go to church on sunday mornings but i do think like the pagans they enjoy their second Saturday because that's what Sunday is when you don't go to church. It's a glorious thing. Yeah, if you can walk into, I mean, I really enjoyed my not going to church for a while. I, I really did enjoy it, and and I found other ways to kind of worship in in my own way or read read stuff. You know, I would just find a way or to not. I just took kind of a break from it all. Oh, I love it. I mean, it it is a second Saturday. You're like, what? Where was this hiding all this time? Like, I didn't know this was here. Did you take any time off when you stopped going, Josh? No, we're, we're straight in. And now... You wait. You went right from being fired. You you were fired. You went right from being fired to finding the, the church the next Sunday? Uh, I would not characterize it that I was fired. Oh, I'm so just sorry. Just to be clear. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we immediately started going. Uh, wow. My last day at my uh, vocational church was on a Thursday, and that, that Sunday we worshiped with a different congregation. Wow. That's, wow. Did that's any part of you feel like, I just need a break from this? No, in, in fact, that, that to me, when, when we first showed up, you know, the, the gentlemen, the, two of the gentlemen who were the elders who knew some of my backstory were like, hey, we don't want you to you know, move into leadership and do anything like that in a service. We just want you to come. And after about like four or five weeks, I was like, okay, I, I can't. I, I need to do something. I, I feel like I'm leeching. I feel you know worthless. I need to. So the Which church, is sin in its own right. Like I, I don't want to. So the church you visited the Sunday after you got your, your position got terminated. I'm not sure how to say it safely. Um, that's right, right? Your Dissolve. Position, Dissolve. <laughs> Dissolve, sorry. Man, I just got done watching Terminator. It's really bad, but I still have that word. Okay. Terminated. Is that, is that the same church you go to now? The same one you started going to? Like, did you literally just transition from one to the other and you're done? Yes. Wow. 
That's that's impressive. That's really really impressive. Most people shop around, go to the buffet, and check out what's going on. I like to see who has the most amenities before I join a church. <laughs> For sure. So so we went there uh, knowing that there were some existing relationships that we could take advantage of. And uh, I remember, I forget if it was on the way home or that afternoon, I had a conversation with my wife. And during that conversation, uh, it came down to where there was really w- only one other church that the two of us would be interested in, in trying out. And uh, we said it would be easier to just continue to go to the one that, that we had tried that Sunday and, and had both enjoyed. So let me ask you a question. You're a man, you come through this transition, you get your position dissolved, and you're in survival mode. So maybe you don't have time or, or the energy to be angry, but you have a wife, and we've had wives. They get angry. Well, especially, it's easy to get angry when something happens to somebody you love, more yeah. than when it happens to you. For sure. So how did your wife handle all this going on? So my wife was really, really hurt and really, really angry. Uh, but I don't think that necessarily propagated to how she saw the church universal. I think it was very specific to to where we were, to the church we were, and really to to the leadership therein. So uh, we were coming from a non-elder-led church, and that's what made me really want to find a church that was elder-led. That that really was my one of the few stipulations I had. Uh, for really for protection on on that but yeah my my wife was was very very hurt and trying to help her her through that was really really difficult because you don't want to shut it down you don't want to say you know uh you know that's not true because you want to allow people to to grieve and and to hurt but then also to help point them back to truth And, and she did uh the same for me because i i was I was hurt. I had felt devalued, and was trying to navigate through. Um, you know, what do I have to offer uh, God? Do I have something unique and valuable to the kingdom? You know, it reminds me of uh, of my story a little bit because first off, I go to an elder led church and I love it. I really do. But it, you know, it's not devoid of of problems or or you know, issues or personal preference or whatever. And there was a lot of uh, drama happening at at my church. And uh, it kind of justified her position for getting out of church in the first place. And around the time she left, a handful of other families left the church as well that she was kind of close to. And so it kind of put me in a weird spot because she said, you know, I just don't, I don't see any value to go to church anymore. Um, I'd rather just have my Sunday back. And so I was like, well, is it all right if I go? And she said, yeah, 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 you can go continue going. So I did. I continued going with my daughter. But it, it created a, a new, a whole new strain altogether, just a whole new— uh, It's a division. Uh, yeah, it's a division. Between the two of you. I mean, not, not that there can't be divisions, but it's it, something that was sort of unified, and now it's not. Yeah, and so I didn't know what to do with that. And so I, I, I honestly, I handled it poorly. I, I kind of looked down on her. A little bit. I I didn't like rub it in her face, but I was just like, "What is going on? Why why is she no longer going?" And I, I just I kind of kept my distance, and I said, "Maybe she'll just come out of this stage. Maybe this is a stage. I'll just respect her for it." And I I encouraged her a couple times, and she even came to a couple of church activities while she was no longer going. Just a couple of this and that, 
And I, I took that as, hey, maybe she's going to get back in the faith. And, you know, her whole family's part of the faith. And so for her not to go to church was a, actually a pretty big deal. Yeah. And so as, as that's going on, let's focus on you for a second. So she, whatever's going on with her and her faith walk, how did that impact you? I mean, did you sort of look at God differently? Did you look at church differently? Or were you just straight on through? Well, my, yeah, my, I started questioning a lot of things. Honestly, I started questioning, um, yeah, like, like I think when the two become one, it's kind of, it's, it's a a special bond. It's like a holy bond almost. And, and I thought, okay, if, if the two don't go to the same place and don't believe the same things anymore, and she started questioning a lot of things the church had said, I started thinking, oh my goodness, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on a lot of these things. Maybe I've really messed up. And I still even think that to some degree that I've like, I, I missed the boat. And uh, several times as uh, the end of our marriage was happening, she would come to me and say, um, everybody else is changing in this world. Everybody's changing what they believe, who they are. She said, why can't you just change? You've always been the same. And I took it kind of as a compliment, but, but also as a double handed back slap or whatever. It was just like, I, like, I want to believe. I've heard that one, by the way. I mean, not exactly, but yeah. Yes. I mean, like, like it, it trapped me. It really did. It trapped me. I, I, cause I, I, I want to be the guy I've always been, but also I want to be adaptable to be a person that can be loved by my ex. Well, evolving and growing is important. Like we don't yeah. want to be the exact same people that we were. Yeah. And so, uh, and, and the, the reality is she didn't like the person that I was originally, you know, anymore. She didn't like that person anymore. She kind of wanted something else. And so, that was hard for me to understand. She's like, can you adapt? And we, so we went to marriage counseling. We would talk about these things and, and we would talk, I made charts and I made diagrams and I, 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 I said, how can I change to be the person you want me to be? I literally tried to be so the person. As, as she laid those out for you, these things, were there parts where it conflicted with your view of faith or morality or whatever that looks like? Yeah, I had to bend a little bit to make it work, but I was willing to, to bend a little bit. I was willing to, to just try to make it work. I mean, I was, but every time I bended, I was always uh, six months behind the curve or a couple months, just like your story. Absolutely. Just behind the curve. And so it was never enough bending. It was never enough transition. It was just, I, I couldn't be good enough for that person. I just And I tried so hard. I begged and pleaded. I was like, please, I, I, I don't believe those things anymore. I believe new things that, that, are, that are totally... Uh, able to be shifted and yeah. <laughs> you know see mo- look I'm different yeah exactly I mean I don't mean to harp on it but but I, I I tried really really hard so I was willing to sacrifice that stuff and I was like yeah is there any church you want to go to do you, I mean we can take some church time we off we have of very similar stories there I mean yeah. that that was my story is I tried I tried to deconstruct I was like yeah like eventually after I responded poorly and then I'm six months a year into that and I'm like this is not working. What's the next thing? And it was, okay, well, I'm going to try to, like, meet you there. But I was behind. And then the other thing is I just couldn't – there were things I couldn't deconstruct down to. There were things that I just had to hold on to because they were important to me. But I I really did sort of strip down all of my faith, at least it felt like that to me, to try to figure out if I could go with her, like if I could get there. Um, yeah, and it, w- it had a profound impact on me. I, I would say a lasting impact on my faith. We even did uh, church counseling, and I remember towards the end of our counseling, like our, our counselor is a very progressive church counselor, and we were talking about the idea of God. What I'm just wondering, when you say progressive, you mean in beliefs, or you mean like they want to like, like distribute like, all the money and like communes? <laughs> what are we talking about? 
Uh, you know how Rob Bell would be progressive for the church? I do. He's really big into Rob Bell. And so, so like, he's he was, like, really big into Rob Bell. And so, like, like when we started talking about our ideas about faith and where, what, how that would fit in with our marriage, he threw all that out the window and said, we need to start from scratch. We can't, we can't start. We, we can't even begin to go there because, first off, the version of you that speaks Christianity is not the version of you that's going to work with Megan. So we need to find a, the version of you that works with Megan. Sounds profound. Whew, it was it was deep. Anyways, it was it was a, it was a hard time. So I was kind of in deconstruction mode as well with my ex. I was just six months behind. Always, always. So for the the two of you, it was it was you trying to figure out what is the irreducible minimum of your faith. That's exactly it. Like, okay. I would tell you, like, that's the remnant of where I even am now, like, in the really? aftermath, is I really, it stripped down everything that I could get rid of, I got rid of. It's like your your boat's sinking, and it's like, okay, do I really need this? Nope, it's going over. And so, like, in an effort to find that and to, to reach marital buoyancy, if you will, um, yeah, I was, I was willing to jettison everything. There was a few things that you just look at, and you're like, I can't throw that over the boat. Like, I got to hold on to um, and so like, that's really like where I'm, I'm left. And I, in a lot of ways, I'm really thankful for that. Cause I think that's, that's a, a pretty good way to go through life, um, is with the minimum essentials that you need and you can have other things, but you got to have them labeled as non-essentials versus essentials. Yeah. I, I couldn't say any better. So yeah, let's take a break. That's a good idea. Uh, we're going to take a break. Our sponsor this week is... Cupcake Amore. Oh, my goodness. It does not take a lot to be a sponsor on this show. Uh, you have to be a good cook, though. Obviously, a really good cook. So uh, our friend Nicole at Cupcake Amore made a, a delightful assortment of goodies, and we are going to take part of that. So we will be right back. Okay, we're back from our break, and uh, we've been talking about keeping the faith in the midst of uh, obstacles and changes in, in marriage and relationships and jobs and whatnot. So it's been it's been tricky. Where, where do we go from here, Thomas? That's the question, right? Where do we go from here? And I mean that in the sense of we're now out of those marriages, and we're left with what we're left with of our faiths. And so now, both of you and I have a desire to not be single for the rest of our lives, one of us maybe more than the other in terms of how much they pursue it. Wait, uh, wait, wait. Was that a dig? Was that... Oh, yeah. It was not meant to be subtle. Yeah. Okay, so that was a dig on me. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. John, you, you are you are a lover of people and you, yeah, you you, you want to find it. somebody. I can't help it. I, I do want to find somebody. And, and I, I thought I found that, that somebody. And, and I don't know. Now I'm second guessing everything I know. And we even talked about faith and we even talked about church. I visited her church. I was there on site. She said, it's important to me. We talked about this several uh, weeks into our dating that you, uh, that you know my church and my people at my church. And I said, yeah. I'll check it out. Let's go check it out. I said, you're going to check out my church? And she said, sure, I'll check out your I'll church. show you mine if you show me yours. Well, yeah. And, and the thing is, she never came around to see mine. So I, I think there was a double standard there. But here's the thing. I was fine with it for some reason. I was I was completely fine with it. I was like, this is her people. This is her home. 
Of course, sure. there's a level of intimacy. There's a level of taking that relationship you know, step. She had just recently got divorced, and I was the first guy that walked in the church with her after the divorce. And that was a big, big role. It's huge. And she works at the church. And so like I was sitting there meeting all of her friends and all of her her surrogate dad and her, you know, people that discipled her and all these I was I was there. I was in. I was there. And now I'm not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turn yeah, so, into so, our breakup podcast for more information about that. Yeah, but but here we are now. You and I were single and we like I said, we've kind of got what we've got in terms of what's left of our faith. Um, which, you know, I would say is fairly strong, but it's different than it was before. It is different. So so my question to you is, um, does this change the kind of person you look for? Does this change, you know? I mean, I think it definitely does in lots of ways. Like, I could tell you that the Thomas that I was 15 years ago, um, when I met my ex-wife or even longer than that ago, I was looking for the, like, quintessential church girl. Yeah. And do you, do you know what I mean by that, right? I do. I do. She, you know, she probably read a good book and she, she's Proverbs 31 girl. That's what she, she was. Yeah. And she spoke that language and it was like, she breathed it. And I, I wanted somebody who didn't just believe, but like who talked Christian ease. I don't know what you'd call that. The language of Christianity sure. and encouragement. That yeah. Because that's what I had. That's what I saw. Like my parents were like, and it was like, I wanted that sort of rosy christianity view there's a very polished view of that um it looked pretty right yeah and now to be honest with you i don't really care about any of that like i don't i don't care even this might sound really weird but like even if they're like ah, i don't i don't really go to church right now but it's like if i can see the fruit and they can talk about their faith like the the important stuff i'd be all about that this this is what throws me off a little bit. I'll, I'll get a little personal. Thomas and I went to a, a nightclub a couple of weeks ago, and uh, yeah, it, it was we weren't dancing, but we were definitely uh, drinking for sure. And and uh, the cutest girl in the entire place. For some reason, you guys connected. Uh, you you were able to talk to that her. Was because of you, John. Well, maybe I did something. It this was... is a John Worley wingman services. I'm just going to throw that out there. Oh, if... I did, didn't I? Yeah, encourage you that. You need a wingman. You, you didn't just encourage you. Like, let's go sit down over there. We did sit down over there, right. and and as a result, Thomas got the girl's number, and and uh, it's it's so funny because I don't think of that person as like anybody I'd see on the front row of the of the church or or something like that. So it kind of threw me off really big time, and. Uh, yeah, and she was out there dancing, and 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 I was just like, I saw her flirting with other guys, and I'm like, this is not Proverbs 31 special, I don't think so, and but this is not somebody that we would ever have fit in the mold. But now for some reason, this person's in the conversation now. I mean, I, to me, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying somebody. to be weird about no, it. But. I mean, you're being a little weird, but that's all right. <laughs> but the point is, <laughs> you're the one that's texting her, John. I've known you long enough. I accept the weirdness. It's it's part of the the friendship propagation between you and I but the, the point is like I I absolutely will get to know somebody because the reality is I was not going to be the guy who was out with a drink at a at a bar at at midnight on yeah. a Saturday night before but now like for me where my faith is I I can kind of put together two things and I, I would like to believe that I live a life that's fairly upstanding as far as morality but I also am very loose with with situations I put myself in there. I'm not rigid about a lot of those things. Yeah, I get it. Um, and so and so for me, I mean, I'm not going to go up and be like, "Oh, you're definitely fine," because you know we connect and the Christianity part's important. But I, I want people to be able to tell their story. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I, I'm just saying that the the way that uh, we go about even finding a person has changed, and you know, as far as dating goes. But but even just 
that person wouldn't normally fit the mold from what Thomas was 15 years ago, but now that person's part of a story. But it's possible, you know? right? I mean, it, it, it depends. Like, sure, it it's setting It's and not all that. mutually sure. exclusive. Like, I just want to... <laughs> the way you're making it sound is almost like, oh, it doesn't matter. But the, the point of it is, is that the two could... Somebody sure. could fit the mold and be in that other mold, too. Those are not mutually exclusive, whereas before they might have been. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily inclusive, just to be clear. <laughs> All about clarity here. I like so, clarity. So, um, yeah. So, like, where do we go from there? Like, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when when you're out there, so honestly, and, and you've used apps before, dating apps. I have. Um, what does that look like? Your is it like okay? They have to have Christian checked. If they're Christian, it's definitely okay. Um, as long as they got the box checked, it's fine. Well, or, that word scares me a little bit these days too, because like it's just kind of a like a, just a drop word. Everybody uses it. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And so I've gone out with uh, several girls on dating apps, and the the word Christian doesn't really mean anything per se. Not that you know you 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 don't know that other than like kind of looking at their life and what they talk about and kind of what they uh, you know who they are, you know, and you don't want to judge everybody, but the Christian word doesn't necessarily mean anything. It almost makes you feel better when you date a girl that, you know, professes to be in a Christian. Well, you like, that's, so that's one of my things, if I'm going to use an app, like if you can't even check the box, we're going to have a problem. Like, I feel like you should be able to at least fly that flag. It's fine if you have other things or, or whatever, but if you're not even going to check the box that you're a Christian, it probably doesn't mean enough to you. I dated a girl uh, I, uh, for a little bit, and she checked the spiritual box in the in the dating thing. And then I asked her about it, and she said it's complicated. I was like, oh, "Let's get into this. Let's. This is what we're talking about here." And so I uh, found out she was part of a youth group, part of a church, and uh, we went out a couple times. And she even sang a Michael W. Smith song to me, and she she hit me really hard with that one there. When you say sang a song to you, does that involve like she singing, looking you in the eye? Uh, she was just no. It was just like she she was she had had a couple, and she started singing "Friends Are Friends Forever" right there at the bar. That's my go-to drunk song. I will tell you that much. It's solid. It's solid. <laughs> but anyways, I when she when she knew him, I was like, this is a sign. This is something. But then I found out that she had a horrible past, and and she ran away from the church after being betrayed by a leader in the church, and it was a a big deal. It was a really really big deal, and it rocked her faith. And so um, she had always associated with being a, a believer, but then she was kind of in this question mode after that all had happened. Uh, see, to me, like, and spiritual is always a little bit iffy. It's iffy, yeah. Because you don't really know where it, it could be like that. Like, yeah, I have Christian, but I have negative associations with that word. And so I don't want to label myself that word, but I have a Christian view. To me, people like that are actually very intriguing because if they can come back around, like, there's such a richness there of like real strength because i kind of feel like that like not that i even strayed real far but i just feel like it's been tested and pushed and pulled and it's just been like melted away people who are like have what i consider like an easy faith who it's like yeah i've just always believed because my parents believe and this is those people scare me yeah i agree with that i totally agree with that the um yeah so i i thought that was a sign when i was dating that girl i thought okay you know we could talk about this and we went to some deep places and I took her to, uh, you know, I took her to some places of faith, and we talked about faith, and and that was a big part of our conversation. But um, we broke up, so yeah, it happens. Yeah, it does. So, what what kind of advice can you give us here, Josh? Yeah. As a guy who we need to get it together. Yeah, help us. 
So I, I was thinking through what would I be doing? What would I be looking for? And I, w- I would say these things, and I because of how I am, I would itemize them out. What are the things that I actually care about? Is it I want the look of a happy family? I Like you were mentioning, Proverbs 31, I want a quiet, submissive, uh, you know, silent, submissive partner type thing. Or do I want someone who is spiritual and passionately pursuing God? Again, not that they're mutually exclusive, but what what is important to me? What is the irreducible minimum of what I believe to be orthodoxy? You know, if they deny the Trinity or deny that Scripture is inerrant, am I okay with that? Uh, I would think through my theology. I would think through what it looks like to be part of a fellowship of faith. Uh, does that mean that I go all the time? Does that mean that we're committed members? Does that mean we we give of our time and energy? Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot of stuff to process, honestly. And yeah, could you have that on my desk by uh, next Tuesday, like a, a hierarchy of what should be important to me? I'll share a Google sheet with you. Yeah, that's great. I just don't. It's it's hard. Like 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 it's it's almost like starting from scratch on this whole thing. It's not almost. It is starting from scratch. Yeah, yeah. It's starting from scratch, and it's you know you like here's the thing. You establish a relationship with a person, and you're with them for 13 years. That I was, and you mold and you're shaped and you're changed through this whole process. And when you have to scrap that whole thing, you know, after going to church and being associated and just finding your faith. You, you know, could convert to a different religion and just start fresh. That might be cleaner. Try it out. Yeah. I don't know what would work I with mean, that. Muslim. You practice Santeria. It could work <laughs> out. <laughs> I, I've heard that worked for you once. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where I drew the line, actually. You know, is when, when that started going down. Everybody I has like, a line. Yeah, Everybody anywhere has a anywhere line. you go, I'll follow you. Not that far. It's like, you know, there's that line. <laughs> well, I uh, so we're looking. We're... <laughs> <laughs> Ladies who are out there in the general listening public, you now know our total motivation for this podcast. Uh, yeah, but I mean, it's 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 hard. It's tricky putting this stuff together. And, and honestly, like, uh, yeah, I would I would hope for the things that Josh spoke of, but it seems like just to get to that spot would take years. You know, like years. And and like, some, I'm 44 years old, so I like I I don't even know if I have the time to even get there. You know, like I. Which is why I think it's important and that it might be good for you in particular to to pause the pursuit until you know what you're pursuing. He'll figure it out when he's out there. Yeah, you, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. That's usually what I do. After I cast my bait, then I'm like, what am I fishing for today? I've got this girl. How can I mold her into what I desire? I just, no, I don't want to mold a person into what I desire. But How I, can I mold what I desire into her? It's fine. I'll mold to be what she desires, and then we'll all be good. You guys are making fun of me right now. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, but, the, but the thing is, like, like once you see something you like, and you, you, you enjoy that, like, how do you not stop... What's pursuing my, that what's my running advice to you john keep your wits about you keep your wits and guard your heart man the, that's that's a tricky one what, what what if i don't want to guard my heart that much well then you, be, be prepared for pain i mean that's it right i mean that's like like the trade-off my counselor said this she said guard your heart always and never guard it i'm not sure what exactly she meant by that but she said if you always are guarding your heart, you're never going to take a chance. I think is what she was saying. You don't want to be callous with your heart. You don't want it like shielded to where you can't access it. We've all met people like that. 
But on the flip side, use wisdom on, on when you sort of pull the shield down. But I've told you many times, John, that, that for as much as I like to tease you, I admire the hell out of you, man, because you are just, you put yourself out there. Yeah. I mean, like some people wear their heart on their sleeve. Like, I don't know what's more extended than your sleeve, your pant leg or something. I mean, you are, it's out there. I just want to jump and figure it out. I just, and I want somebody to jump with me. That's it's, honestly what I want. It's courageous. It might not be intelligent, though. That is probably true. Well, this has been the podcast. Uh, we want to thank Cupcake Amore. The treats were amazing. They were wonderful. Uh, they were good. Josh, tell us about the treats that you enjoyed tonight. They were awesome. <laughs> thank you, Josh, for joining us. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate yeah, it. Uh, and it's been fun. It's been good. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll be around. Yeah, look us up on uh, Google Podcasts, on Amazon. on We're on every platform. So have a good one. Take it easy. Bye.